This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles. Tonight, let's go to the book of Acts. If you're reading through the Bible this year, you are just about through this great book. What an exciting book it is. Every time I read it, there is something else that the Lord encourages me with, challenges me with. And God's laid it on my heart to work through the book of Acts. Again, it's a narrative, and so because the Holy Spirit gave it to us in that form, we're going to go through it that way as a story, uh, following the details, following the suspense of it, uh, and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring it to life for us. Now, any author knows that a good story begins with an event that grabs your attention and is driven by suspense, intrigue, until the final chapter, and then there's this climax. Many of us have picked up a book, commented later, I couldn't put it down. Have you ever read a book like that, where you just start, just start reading, and, uh, and, and you, just, you just gotta, you have to keep going? The book we'll begin to study this evening doesn't have those features at the beginning or at the end. There are a group of followers in an upper room. That's how it starts. And then it ends with an apostle being martyred in a prison. And yet it tells the most powerful story that has ever impacted our planet. In fact, the book of Acts is the true account of gospel power and global impact. And we know that, you know that from the scripture, because at one point, while the apostles are ministering in a Gentile city, there's an uproar, and the complaint is, these men are turning the world upside down with their teaching, their doctrine. It was happening. Now, the living proof of the gospel power, the global impact that we see in the book of Acts is the fact that gathered in this room, watching by live stream tonight, are fallen sinners whose lives have been miraculously transformed through the power of Jesus Christ. We read about these accounts in the book of Acts, and wow, it's exciting. But if we paused the service right now and just had some of you start sharing your testimonies, Gentiles, perhaps some Jews, in bondage to sin, then one day somebody shared the gospel with you, you trusted Christ, your life was radically transformed, it's impacted other lives. Same testimony as the book of Acts. In this message, it's important that we understand, though, and this is our purpose tonight, the background and inspirational unity of Acts. All right, the background and inspirational unity, that's our title tonight. 
which also helps to support the authorship of Dr. Luke. And when we get to the end of the message, we will talk about the author and how we believe that this godly physician uh, was, in fact, the author. By way of background, the book of Acts covers a period of 38 years. And as Wilmington puts it, from the miracle of Pentecost to the martyrdom of Paul. The book is written as narrative, it tells a story, and yet the story is told in two great movements by the Holy Spirit. Of course, he's the author, but it is also his moving in these two great movements. What were they? Well, first, the Spirit's work in Jerusalem. That work was led by the Apostle Peter, found in Acts one to 12. And then the Spirit's work throughout the Gentile world, Acts 13 to 28. And of course, that was led by the Apostle Paul. We're going to get to see the importance of doctrine in this book. Doctrine that evolved, in a sense, and that you'll remember the doctrine of Peter and of the Jews needed a little work. They were focused on the Jews, and then later, Gentiles start getting saved, and, and Peter had a little difficulty navigating that. And there's a time, in fact, that we'll see that Paul and Peter stand toe-to-toe, and Paul has to correct Peter's theology. Jesus wants to save everyone. And so these are the two great works, movements of the Holy Spirit that we'll study together in this book. Now, during these two great movements, we learn of the first activities of the church, Acts 2.42. One thing that I think will encourage you about this book is it will take us back to the simplicity of what God has called the church to do. We don't want to complicate it. The simplicity of what God has called the church to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. If I asked you, What's a good church? You might have all kinds of ideas. Well, we love our church because of the children's programs, the music, you know, all those things, things that are important. But you know, the, the early definition of a good church found in the book of Acts is quite simple. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. That's what they gave themselves to. That was a good, and by the way, that was a powerful church. I don't know too many churches today where they're seeing thousands saved after a single message. In the book of Acts, we're going to see that happen a couple different times through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in the book of Acts, we see the first activities of the church were introduced to the first deacons, Acts 6, the first martyrs, James, Stephen, Acts 7, 60, and then later Stephen uh, in Acts um, 12 and verse 2. And then the first missionaries, and that's the first part of Acts chapter 13. It's all there, all these firsts. And by the way, how they chose the missionaries. We also learn in Acts eleven twenty six 26, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. 
this name that we cherish. You know that when Christians were first called that, it was a term of derision. They were mocking them. These little Jesuses walking around. These little Christs. Who do you think you are? By the way, not much has changed, right? Whether it's Bible thumper or uh, Jesus freak or whatever they call Christians today, that's nothing new. It started all the way back in the book of Acts. We'll see the accounts of the last two resurrections in the church age before the great resurrection, the rapture when the Lord comes for his saints. What were those two resurrections? Well, God raised a faithful servant named Dorcas, Acts chapter 9. Once again, here's a faithful woman who meets the needs of the church by the things that she sows and that she makes. And God chose to give us the record of her resurrection, Acts chapter 9. So, a faithful servant and also a falling sleeper. Eutychus, Acts chapter 20. You're not going to believe this, but Acts introduces us to a long-winded preacher. And he just wouldn't quit. I mean, it goes into, the, into midnight and people start getting tired. There's a young man sitting in a window and he's three stories up. Now, if you're going to fall asleep in church, don't be in a balcony or in a high window, all right? He falls asleep, out the window he goes. Church service stops. Paul goes down, prays over him. God raises him up. And they all say, well, maybe it's time we all go home. No, they don't. They go back to church. And I can guarantee you, Eutychus paid attention. All right. Though the gospel is powerful, we learn that it is viciously attacked by the enemy in the book of Acts. We learn Satan's tactics. What are his tactics? Well, first of all, we find that he attempts to bar it. If you notice in chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, he seeks to bar it. And they called them and commanded them. This is the Sanhedrin, the high priest. They commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, you judge you figure it out. We're going to obey God. Amen. So he attempts, Satan attempts to bar it. He also attempts to buy it off. Acts chapter 8, verses 18 and 19. And when Simon, who's a sorcerer, uh, who, by the way, had professed Christ. But when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them, the apostles, money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. And he received a stern rebuke from Peter. But what was Satan doing? He was trying to buy it off. And then we also find in the book of Acts that one of Satan's tactics, he attempts to blur it. Take your Bible and go to Acts 16. Acts 16, notice verse 16. Satan attempts to blur the gospel. 
Paul and Silas are in Philippi. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by Susang. The same followed Paul and us. By the way, us. Who's us? Well, the writer. Well, who accompanied Paul? Well, it was the great, that, that uh, good physician, uh, and we're going to talk about him later, but Luke is referring to himself here. Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Let's pause for a moment. Did she speak the truth? Servants of the Most High, are they giving the way of salvation? Absolutely. Did it help that she was the one telling other unbelievers that? Not at all. See, Satan knows if she's saying it, everybody who knows who she is, what she is, they're going to dismiss the gospel. They're not going to listen. Hence, in Philippi, initially, the gospel was blurred. Verse 18, and this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, obviously, turned and said to the spirit, small s, the demon, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out that same hour. So he attempts to blur it. Now can I just pause for a moment and remind us, Satan is still up to these tricks today. All across the world there are those who are trying, where Satan is trying to silence them as they proclaim the gospel. Full-blown persecution. It's happening in some cases here. He's a little bit more deviant about it, but he will try to silence your witness as well, to try to bar it. I remember one time being in a post office, and saying to the person behind the counter, and we've got a faithful mailman here tonight who loves the Lord, but I said, Merry Christmas, and turned to walk away. And he said, you can't say that here. And I turned around, and he and I had a conversation. Besides the fact I'm helping to pay your salary, pal, I didn't say it that way. I said, this is America. We have free speech. Merry Christmas. But they're going to try to bar it. Don't let them do that to you at work. Now, be careful. Don't be witnessing as you're getting paid. That's a poor testimony. But show forth Christ. And then when God gives you opportunities, if you're not on the clock, share Christ verbally with others. But understand that at all points in the church age, this is one of Satan's tactics. How about Satan's attempts to buy it off? Do you think that love of money is contaminating the pure gospel in some circles? Sure it is. How about televangelism? All right. The Joel Osteens, the Benny Hins of the world. Okay. That's, that's about money in crowds. And it is affecting, it's buying off the gospel, which, by the way, isn't for sale. It's free. And then attempts to blur it. That would be the cults. That would be all kinds of, of false teaching. 
uh, witnesses who, who claim to believe the gospel, follow the gospel, and their lives do not show the power of the gospel. So all, all of that is, is still happening. Now to magnify the struggle, the struggle is still happening today. We discover in the book of Acts that both angels and demons are active. Question, are angels and demons still active today? Absolutely. Absolutely. How were angels active in the book of Acts? Well, uh, in chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, we know that an angel comes in in the middle of the night and releases Peter from prison. I can't wait to get to that passage. Wow. Now, that's, that's an exciting passage. Didn't end so well for the prison keepers, but that's an exciting passage. Are the ministering spirits of God still working on behalf of saints today? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Some of you perhaps have had things happen to you where you wonder, did I entertain an angel unawares? Do you know that God's ministering spirits are still working today? In fact, the scripture tells us that angels are looking out for his little ones, and I believe that that also includes children. Of saints. We can be sensational about this, but we don't need to be. Angels are still at work. I've got a, a pastor friend. He was actually a mentor. He's been with the Lord now several years. When I tell this story, you'll understand that it happened several years ago. But when the Iron Curtain was starting to come up, uh, he was with a group of pastors in Romania. This was the Ceausescu days. And they were over there seeking to win the release of some of the national pastors in Romania. He was with a U.S. delegation. There were diplomats, diplomats, other high officials, U.S. officials that were there. And they told the pastors, including this pastor from the United States, when they went in, don't leave our group. Don't get lost. Don't get separated from the group. Well, they were in some busy cities in one particular city. Uh, this group was moving quickly, and this pastor got separated from this American delegation. And I remember him telling the story, immediately panic set in. Because this was during a time when the government in Romania, uh, people were disappearing, including pastors. He said, when this happened, we already knew that, that the entire time we were there, we were being followed. And so he completely lost the group. He said he, he, just, he tried to maneuver, tried to find them. He ended up going down this street, which there weren't many people there, uh, and that made him more nervous. And he said he came out to another street. A Romanian city bus pulled up. The door opened on the bus, and a, a man in perfect English said, Get aboard. He said he got aboard. They drove all around in that city. This was before cell phone days, remember. They pull up to another corner. The door opens. The man says, get off. And when he looked out, there was the U.S. delegation, including other pastors. He got off the bus, and here was his testimony. That day, I think I was helped by an angel. The point is, angels are still working today. How about demons? Yeah, they're working as well. 
We see several examples in the book of Acts of demons possessing the lost, including the woman in Philippi that we, we just read about. I think we need to remember, Christian, that in this church age, you and I need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We need to be walking in the Spirit as we do the work of God because demons are still active. Don't be fooled. This is America. That stuff doesn't happen here. Do you ever read in the news about a mass shooting? Demons are busy. All the other awful things that happen, powerful things that help the cause of evil, yeah, spiritual wickedness in high places. They're active. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, amen, but we better be yielding to the one who is in us. Angels and demons are active, yet the gospel goes forth with power to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. What's great about the book of Acts is the Lord said, Ye shall be witnesses unto me. The early church said, Yes, Lord, and you get to follow their steps as they did exactly what the Lord told them to do. To show how thorough the Spirit's working was, as they obeyed that command to go, three significant conversions are recorded in the book of Acts. Yes, there were thousands saved, and every soul saved is significant, but the Holy Spirit chooses to point out three conversions and gives us a lot of detail into these conversions. Think about the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. But here's something to consider. If you go back to Genesis chapter 10, he was a descendant of Ham. Later, we read that Saul of Tarsus is miraculously saved, this persecutor who wreaked havoc on the church. Acts chapter 9. Do you know that Saul, along with the other Jews, a descendant of Shem? Genesis chapter 10. Cornelius is converted, a Gentile centurion. One of the fun things about the book of Acts, and I can't wait till we get there, you military people that are listening to my voice tonight, I love the accounts in the book of Acts about these soldiers, these centurions. And by the way, every time you see a centurion in the book of Acts, they're being used of the Lord in a mighty way. Uh, serving in an army that was pretty corrupt and that dominated the known world. But what about Cornelius? He comes to Christ. Do you know that he's a descendant of Japheth? Genesis 10, 2-5. And so, with these major conversions, what is the Lord showing us? He is showing us, Acts proves, that if Jesus were lifted up, he would draw all men to himself, John 12. Because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. And so in the book of Acts, the Lord takes a represent, representative of each of the sons of Noah and he saves them. Does he want to reach the world with the gospel and the good news of himself? He came to seek and to save that which was lost and there's proof for it, book of Acts. 
So let's conclude tonight. I've entitled this series, Acts, Gospel Power, Global Impact. But throughout our study, we'll see that this book is really, and I'm quoting Warren Wearsby here, the account of the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the church. There are no super-Christians in the book of Acts. That should encourage all of us. Fishermen, persecutors, soldiers, but no super-Christians except that they did extraordinary things because they believed on Christ, Holy Spirit moved in, they yielded to Him, and mighty things happened. We believe that Dr. Luke wrote this letter. Another believer who God used mightily. He was not an apostle, but yet God used him to pen two books in our New Testament. Isn't that amazing? What an encouragement when you stop and consider that here's a man whose profession was being a physician, got saved, was willing to be used, and wow how the Holy Spirit worked through him. Why do we believe that Dr. Luke was the author of this book? Let me just give you a couple of reasons. First, just as the Gospel of Luke opens with a dedication to Theophilus, so does the book of Acts, addressed in both. The vocabulary and style of both books are very similar. Also, though it does not prove that he wrote Luke and Acts, you have the frequent use of medical terms that Luke would understand as a physician. By the way, what about the gospel that bears his name? Which gospel do you think records more miracles? It's Luke. Why? Because that's what the doctor's interested in. People being made whole. Isn't God good when he calls us and we're willing to go? Whatever your needs are, and if you have great physical needs, just maybe God will call a doctor to accompany you. And when you go into cities and they beat you in stone, you're probably good to have a doctor close by, right? That's what God did for Paul. By his use of the pronoun we in narrating parts of Paul's journeys, the author of Acts implies that he was a traveling companion of Paul. And we know that Luke was. Finally, the early church fathers understood that Luke was the human author of Acts. The disciples of the disciples recognized that. So with this in mind, there is an important distinction between the books of Luke and Acts. While Luke's gospel records what Jesus began to do and teach, Luke knew that, and that's, that's what he pens in Acts 1, 1. The gospel of Luke records what Jesus began both to do and teach in his human body. But listen, the book of Acts tells us what Jesus continues to do through his spiritual body, the church. What he did back in the first century, leading us to understand 
what he continues to expect us to do in his church today. On purpose, as we study this book together, we're going to point out that the book of Acts is not intended to show us a good start and then things eventually fizzle out. That's not what the book of Acts is. I believe the book of Acts is intended by our Lord to show us what the Holy Spirit of God can do and wants to do through His church throughout the ages until His return. And as we study the book of Acts, not only should it encourage you, but it ought to convince you that that's what He is able to do today. And I would remind us, remember, before Jesus went back to heaven, he told his disciples, he's going to enable us to do greater works than what he did. We see that in the book of Acts. Church history tells us that, again, there, the Holy Spirit of God does powerful things through revivals, and, and just what God can do in a single home when mom and dad are saved and they lead their children to follow the Lord and then those children are a testimony of their grandchildren. All the while, the family is witnessing for God. Think about the impact that even today, a family, because of yielded individuals who are saved, what a, the impact that a family or an individual can have to reach the world for Christ. I stand here tonight and I look at all these missionary pictures around us. Think about the impact that they are having for Christ because you're helping to keep them on the field through your prayers, through your giving. Things being delivered uh, by ship in Puerto Rico. Work being done by a team in Puerto Rico. Uh, and, and what God continues to do, but what he wants to do. Because the same Holy Spirit who did the mighty works in the book of Acts is at work today. He is in us and he wants to shine and work through us. So again... Gospel power. We know the gospel, right? And he can use the gospel by his spirit to make an impact all around the world. So let's learn from the book of Acts. Thank you for being here on this Lord's Day evening. Y'all come back. Encourage others to be here as well. And let's ask God to use the teachings from that, this book and what we see to renew our vision to give us power and to see him work mightily. Father, thank you for the book of Acts. Lord, as we think about these, these amazing parallels and what you did, it just reminds us that really the author of Acts is the Holy Spirit of God declaring what, Lord, you can do through yielded saints. And thank you for using Dr. Luke Thank you for the sure testimony of what you did in the early church that encourages us with what you want to do today. Now, Father, as we prepare for the table of the Lord, 
we're reminded that the book of Acts begins, Lord Jesus, with your public testimony and your charge to saints. And then you ascended to heaven, sent your spirit at Pentecost, so that with your ever-abiding presence, Lord, we could continue to serve you in power. And we're never alone. But Lord, it's only because of the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for purchasing us to yourself. And as we celebrate your table now, as we come into your presence, Lord, would you be glorified, encourage our hearts. And just as they continue steadfastly in breaking bread in those early days after Pentecost, Lord, thank you that we have the privilege of doing that tonight. Be glorified, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 757- We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life.